Tea. Sequoia's official podcast. Where we kick ash. How's it going, Sequoia? You're listening to KA19, Sequoia's official podcast. I'm your host, Jackie B, and we're really happy to have our guest on today, Lou Lichtel, the super assistant superintendent of instruction at CVUSD. My co-host today is Sean Foy. Sean, how you doing? I'm great. Well, let's jump right in today's podcast and uh, ask Mr. Lichtel some questions. So, Mr. Lichtel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here at Sequoia Middle School and being part of the KA19 podcast. There's a great deal of excitement in the room uh, that I'm feeling from you guys in the audience. And want to thank you, Jackie and Sean, for inviting me. And, of course, Emily for working the soundboard for us today. Mr. Lichtel, can you please tell our audience your job description as the District Assistant Superintendent of Instruction and how the LCAP falls into your control. Absolutely. So this uh, topic we're taking on today is, uh, is quite big. This might be a multi-part pod- podcast because there's a lot of information here, but uh, I'm really impressed with the research you guys have done and, and, and your preparation. So as the Assistant Superintendent of Instructional Services, I oversee a department of about 21 employees that include directors and coordinators, teachers on special assignment, and other support staff that work in our offices. Additionally, the uh, department employees dozens of academic specialists and other support staff, uh, including teachers, that are there really to support uh, our teachers and our students. Lastly, the department has oversight responsibility for everything that happens in the classroom. That includes curriculum, materials, textbooks, the professional learning that we provide to our teachers, services for students that are English learners, and uh, this extends uh, from pre-K all the way through adult school. So. Our department's quite, uh, quite large and uh, has, a, has a huge scope. And because the LCAP is intended to outline our district's goals and services and actions uh, that support positive student outcomes, the LCAP is driven by the work that is done in instructional services and therefore uh, it is one of my major duties. So I did a Google search on LCAP and the top hit was from the California Department of Education. I read the summary, and honestly, it confused me a little bit. In fact, after looking at the 146 pages on the district's website, I was even more confused with all of the information. Can you give us a short summary, in layman's terms, of what the LCAP is and what the stakeholders are and why parents and community members should care about it? Absolutely. So um, I agree with you. Uh, The process uh, and the actual document itself can be pretty cumbersome and in some ways very confusing, which is why the district has produced what we call an infographic, which is on our website, which is a 12-page document that includes our goals and services and actions and has uh, many icons that really try to make uh, simplify uh, the LCAP so that our parents and students and teachers, so everyone has access to it. And certainly some people want to read the entire 146-page document, but obviously most people will not do that. But the local control and accountability plan, which we know is the LCAP, is really our district's plan for educating our students through goals, actions, and the intended support that we're going to provide in order to achieve positive student outcomes. So just like Sequoia Middle School has a school plan for student achievement, the district has the local control and accountability plan that lays out the foundation for our programs and, like I said earlier, our services. The LCAP does require that the district attach funds to our actions and uh, it's a public document so our parents can go online they can look at our LCAP, and they can see where the district is prioritizing different programs and how we're intending to support our teachers our students 
and um, just, just provide great services for our students. The community has the opportunity to be involved uh, in the process at many levels, and uh, due to the fact that the LCAP is all about our students, I believe it's extremely relevant for our parents and, again, all of our staff members to engage in the process of the LCAP development, and we do that in small chunks. So some of that happens at the school sites, some of that happens through parent uh, education programs and some of our parent engagement uh, committees. And so we take all that information and, and ultimately what we end up is with a unifying document that speaks about our district. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm super happy that the district puts that resource uh, publicly to the to the school district and parents and students, and that's really helpful. And <clears throat> as, as mentioned, we took a look at the website and um, we, we saw this three-year plan. Um, could you tell us a little bit about more about this three-year plan and what we have set up for the LCAP, especially since the district recently rewrote it? And why did they feel the need to change the plan? How is it the focus? How is the focus different based on the old one and the new one? I see you guys have done your homework because uh, indeed we did uh, enter a enter into a pretty ominous uh, process last year. Uh, the LCAP is intended as a three-year plan, and uh, our district initiated that three-year plan in the fall of 2017. So not this fall, but the year before, we implemented that first year of a three-year plan. Uh, therefore, this year's LCAP was supposed to be the second year of that plan with the same goals and actions. But about a year ago, that all changed. Uh, as you may know, our superintendent, Dr. McLaughlin, was named in November of 2017 as our superintendent, and uh, I was blessed to join his team in, uh, in December of that same year. And uh, as we initiated our review of the LCAP, the existing LCAP, and uh, we were trying to create really a new vision for our district, and our students and our CBUSD staff, it really became apparent to us that the existing plan was quite inadequate in, uh, in helping us realize this new vision that we had for, for learning in our district. So under Dr. McLaughlin's uh, direction and with the guidance of the Board of Education, we undertook, again, a very ominous task in rewriting our entire plan and really charting a new course for the Conejo Valley Unified School District. Um, I, I believe we're the only district in the county that rewrote their plan, and I would probably pretty safely say that we're one of the only in the state. Uh, and again, that was really driven by the idea that the existing plan was just not going to help us achieve what we visioned for our school district moving forward. And that's great to hear that um, the district is really recognizing that times are changing, and that means that our measures and different plans need to change with it as well. That's a great point, Jackie. And um, I just want to follow up on that because. Um, I will tell you that schooling today is, in my opinion, too much uh, like what it looked like when I was a student back in the 70s, probably when some of your parents were either not born or maybe in, in uh, high school and middle school themselves. So uh, there is an urgency in really changing the nature of schooling uh, for our students. And as I sit here in this room with uh, you, Jackie, and Sean, and Emily, and our, our audience here, what I see is exactly where we need to go. So you guys are really replicating everything that the 21st century learning really kind of speaks to. Collaboration, we're talking about critical thinking, we're talking about creativity. Uh, the research that you did to get prepared for this really, really uh, emulates exactly what we want as we move forward through the 21st century. So I congratulate you guys for being part of it 
And I really want to congratulate your teacher, Ms. Stevenson, for her leadership, and of course, your principal administration, Mrs. Chambers, in uh, allowing you guys to uh, move forward with this. Can we talk about the LCAP survey for a minute? I remember taking the survey in school. Do all students take the survey? And does anyone else take it? So the uh, LCAP survey is certainly a large part of our process as we are developing that, again, local control and accountability plan. Uh, and based on our past practice, we have provided a survey uh, to a sample of students district-wide. And uh, the goal is that every parent or guardian, staff member and student within that sample participate and provide their in input. The survey items have been consistent over the last several years. And that really has allowed staff to annually review not only that data, but we also have the opportunity to look at longitudinal data or data over time. So we can go back four years and see how Sequoia Middle School students in the sixth grade, whether they're in Discover or not, how they responded to certain items four years ago, and then we can compare that to how they recently uh, um, responded to the same items. So having the same survey uh, does serve that purpose. It gives us the opportunity to look at how students are responding over time. Now, on the flip side of that, the survey can become stagnant. And as students take it year after year after year and they recognize that it's the same questions, there is, um, there is, it, it may not be as reliable as we'd like it to be. So to answer your question, we have uh, all staff and parents and guardians take the survey, is open, are open to taking the survey, and we do uh, identify uh, students by grade level that take the survey. And we do get pretty good responses. Uh, and the survey items, uh, like I said, they've been consistent over time. Uh, but we're really looking at maybe morphing some of those items in order to bring in some new concepts and ideas that we're trying to, uh, to really rate right now. So um, to answer your question, the, the LCAP survey, it's a big part of our, L, uh, it's part of our uh, LCAP process. Uh, and um, it, it is really important that everyone participate. Are the survey questions the same for everyone who takes it? And what kind of information does the district hope to obtain from the survey? So in a word, no. Uh, however, the essence of the surveys are more the same than different and aimed at gathering data related to not only our academic programs, but uh, also we're interested in getting information about the learning opportunities that we're providing for our students inside and outside of the classroom. And even though we're sitting in a classroom right now, I would kind of call this an outside of the classroom experience because quite frankly, this is not being driven by a teacher, it's being driven by a group of students and uh, I, I see a lot of value in that. So in this case, Ms. Stevenson is your support and you guys are the superstars. But when you may go to your next class, that role may reverse. Your teacher may be the superstar. They're the ones on the stage. So this kind of experience, I think, really enhances students' learning. And I, I, as I said earlier, it's what we want to move towards. Uh, the district's uh, effectiveness in, community, uh, in com communicating to the community is really important to us. And so um, we are looking through survey results asking parents are we communicating effectively are you getting the information that you need not only from the district but especially from the school sites and so that's a, that's an important component for us as well so our revamped lcap has new goals services and actions so can we start with goals and ask what stakeholders were directly responsible for coming up with the goals and how did they ultimate ultimately decide on the four goals that we have now it's a great question, Jackie. And uh, you know, goal setting does require a process. 
while also uh, being highly dependent on an initial vision. So, um, you know, we want to engage as many stakeholders as we can in, uh, in goal setting, but at the same time, somebody has to have a vision for where we're headed. And really that vision for this LCAP uh, really belonged to Dr. McLaughlin, our superintendent, who really provided the initial spark that absolutely ignited a, dy a dynamic flow of concepts and ideas about where we wanted the district to be and uh, where we wanted to end up at the end of this LCAP cycle, which will conclude not at the end of this year, but in the, uh, in the end of uh, 2020 school year. So with that said, the first three goals were developed through lengthy discussions between district and site administration, through the review of our data, including survey results that we just talked about, the LCAP survey for one, and student performance data, and through our interaction with our Board of Education. The Board of Education does set some of our direction. Um, actually, they set the direction for the district along with the superintendent. And then our job, all of us, as assistant superintendents, directors, principals, teachers, custodial uh, workers, our, our clerks, everyone else, we're there to support that vision and that, and that process. So uh, that's a really important piece. And through this process, what we developed uh, were uh, initially three goals. And so let me talk for a minute about those goals. So goal one is dedicated to actions and services that support positive student outcomes. The goal speaks to our academic programs, so what's happening in the classroom, including the delivery of instruction. And in this district, we really aim for great first instruction. We want students to have a great learning experience the first time a topic is taught. That's a, that's a really important aspect for us. And then we also look at uh, the many intervention programs that we have on campuses. And all those programs should be intended to support supporting student learning and really positive student outcomes. And goal two speaks to our staff. And uh, I've always been a big proponent of hiring really, really great teachers from the, from, from the get-go. Makes your life really easy. And I gotta tell you, we're blessed in this district with a really, really talented teaching staff. I can tell you that I've, I've been a part of many, many schools in this district. And uh, that's what I've seen uh, very consistently. And so supporting our staff also includes providing uh, ongoing training, not only for teachers, but also for all of our staff members. Clerical staff members need to understand the new technology and new procedures. Our uh, custodial staff, if there's new safety measures that we, need, we ha need to put in place. So as our world changes, we need to keep people updated. And that's really the staffing goal, and that's, and that's goal number two. So it deals with hiring great people and developing them professionally. And then goal three uh, em emerged through much uh, um, discussion and uh, a lot of um, feedback that we got from our stakeholders, and it was related to communication and, and how we get information out to our families. And we got some feedback that the district wasn't really good at providing information. And so we wrote a goal specifically to that item, our ability to communicate with the, with the, with the community, uh, our ability to uh, provide targeted outreach so that we're hitting the, the students that need the most help and support. And, uh, you know, that kind of framed our first three goals. And then once these three goals were solidified and approved by our trustees or the Board of Education, it just became more and more apparent that, the, that there was a gap that existed in the structure of our LCAP as more and more of our conversations centered around the social and emotional uh, needs and wellness of our students. And so what we've seen over the last uh, several years, probably going back five years, is that we've seen a trend in students requiring more and more support from that standpoint, social emotional wellness. And so that became a really important piece to us. So for us, it became kind of the key concern 
yet our new goals were totally inadequate in addressing that goal in that uh, that need. And so through parent engagement committees that included our district advisory council or what we call DAC, uh, we developed a, a fourth goal, and this is the final goal. And I'm going to read this one because to me it's it's maybe the most important goal that we have, and it is to enhance the social and emotional and physical well-being for all students through targeted actions that support positive student outcomes. So it really speaks to the whole child and uh, making sure that students have, um, you know, they're feeling well every day when they come to school, they're, they're healthy and they're feeling well. And uh, goal four really brought closure to our goal setting process and set us on a course for updating, updating that entire plan. Well, those goals, those goals sound fantastic, and it really sounds like the results of those goals are super dynamic. They can always be changing based on what the district and what the students need. So with those four goals, how, do the, how does the district determine if we are succeeding in those four goals? Is it based on opinion? Is it another survey that the students and administrators take? Or is it simply a rubric based on what's happening in the district? Certainly. Um, there, there's several data points and data sets that we consider. Uh, when analyzing the effectiveness of our goals, actions, and services. And uh, that may include uh, survey results that we've talked about already. So as we get, um, as those start rolling in, uh, we look at that data and we see, are we making progress? Because if, if every single year the same concern is expressed by parents, for example, the communication gap, and we don't do anything to change it, then we're not being responsive. So I would hope that this year, or certainly next year, we would see an increase in our uh, family saying, hey, you know, the, the communication from the district is, is solid, it's good. District's doing a good job in that. If, and if that's not the result, then we need to continue to adjust and, and make different uh, decisions as to how we put that information out there. Then I'm sure you've heard about the California dashboard. So the California dashboard results are a big part of our, of our process. We also review other data sets, such as benchmark assessment results that are provided uh, mostly to our elementary school students, but that's certainly part of it. When you guys get into high school, you have the opportunity to engage in advanced placement courses and international baccalaureate over at uh, Newberry Park High School. So those exam results are important to us. There's college readiness assessments such as ACT and the SAT, uh, to name just a few. So those are different data sets that we look at. But we also consider community and board of education feedback uh, and input that we just receive on a daily basis. So that might be in a conversation with a parent or a group of parents or a phone call, an email, all that information is not just information, it's really data. And it's data that we gather and that we discuss so that uh, we can st really start framing our future programs. Uh, and we call that anecdotal data. So that, that, in that uh, information that we glean, like I said, is just as important to us as students' test scores. Because sometimes parents, through their insight and their wisdom, they really do provide some great nuggets of information that really help us in moving forward. And I certainly learned that over a long period of time serving in this district as a principal. So the goal here is to um, get into the data, dig in deep, uh, investigate what the issues are and, and how we're doing, and determine the efficacy of our actions. And then uh, at that point, uh, determine whether we have to evolve or you know, put, uh, hit pause and, 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 and rethink our whole process. But uh, that's, that's how it works. It's a, just a continuous process. Are schools required to align specifically to these goals, or do they have the liberty of creating their own goals that may be more unique to their campuses and student demographics? So the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the LCAP is the district's plan for student achievement, and each site has a, uh, a site plan, or what we call a school plan for student achievement. Uh, 
And so what we're looking for is we're looking for connections. We're looking for a connection between Sequoia's school plan for, uh, for student achievement and the LCAP. So that means that we um, have asked Mrs. Chambers, and this process goes through staff and the leadership team here and the school site council to address the LCAP goals, but they don't have to replicate the LCAP goals. So we do have a student achievement goal, and we do have an expectation that every site address through their school plan for student achievement uh, how students are going to progress and what actions they're going to put in place to help students progress. And as I mentioned, the fourth goal that we have in place now, which is new to, uh, to our district, related to social-emotional learning and, and support for students, we do expect that that be addressed through the school plan for student achievement, but it doesn't have to be the exact terminology, goal, or actions for that matter, because as you said very well, uh, Sean, every school is unique. Every school does have a campus culture. So we want our principals to make decisions based on that culture because we're trying to hit every single student, not every school. We're interested in making sure that we're affecting individual students, not necessarily making changes for the entire campus. And those kind of work interchangeably, but our focus is really individual students. So student performance data is another component of the LCAP and the infamous dashboard, as you had mentioned earlier. What are the different categories of this dashboard? And does the district have representation in all of these categories, or at least some of them? Yeah, the dashboard includes a, a pretty large data set. And so the, the most obvious one is the student performance data that we get from our SBAC scores. And so uh, each spring, students throughout the Conejo grades three through eight and grade 11. So those of you that are matriculating next year to high school, you may not have to take an SBAC for a couple years. So that's something to look forward to, besides all the other great stuff that our high schools offer. But uh, that's obviously one data set that's important to us. We want to know how our students are progressing in English language arts and mathematics as compared to the other states in the nation that are also take the Smarter Balance Assessium Consortium test, the SBAC. School climate as measured through um, several areas, including chronic absenteeism. So there's a connection between student, uh, you know, students, uh, the school climate rather, and student attendance at school. So if we find that students are attending regularly and there's not a high absenteeism rate, that really speaks to a positive school climate. There's also the area of suspension rates. And, uh, if, you know, if students are engaged in their school community, they're less apt to get in trouble. And that's not to say that... Uh, a school that has students that are suspended, if there, there's something necessarily wrong on that campus, the reality is everybody makes mistakes. And so, you know, the suspension is used as a deterrent sometimes, and other times it's used as a, as a, from a safety measure standpoint. So we look at the suspension rates because that gives us some information. And again, the school climate surveys that we've already talked about really gives us a, a, quite a bit of information. Specifically for the high schools, the dashboard tracks uh, graduation rates, which... I'm really, really happy to say that our graduation rates in this district are the highest in the county. Wow, um, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, there's also a college career readiness indicator. But quite frankly, that's for a different podcast because that is a really complex topic and maybe we'll take something we'll take on next time. Uh, the dashboard also speaks to parent engagement. So how are we engaging our parents? And we think we do a good job with that, um, but we can always do better. Uh, but we know that our parents are involved. Just today, as I walked up to Sequoia Middle School, I saw a gate deck meeting happening here at uh, Sequoia Middle School. So we have parents here that are engaged, and they're talking to staff members about the needs of students. 
Um, we have a lot of parent engagement uh, committees throughout our district. We have wonderful PTA and PFAs in our district. We have a lot of booster clubs that support our programs, including, I'm sure, Mrs. Stevenson's band program, which, quite frankly, the programs that we offer in this district are, in my opinion, second to none, and that has a lot to do with our, with our parent support. And then there's some technical pieces that we talk about, and that's related to curriculum so, uh, and the implementation of state standards. So the uh, dashboard actually rates our district on how well we are implementing state standards if we're